Beautiful day. It is Christmas and we are here to honor our God and to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. It is a blessing this morning to get to share. Suddenly I had to check myself. It is this morning, right? It wasn't last night. Well, it did get there at 12.01. It's a blessing to get to share this morning in celebration with you and your families um, this, this glorious day. Um, it is today the culmination for us the, uh, of the experience of an entire month of anticipation and, and waiting. Uh, we have been on a journey together thematically as a church through Advent, enjoying some of these beautiful traditional Advent themes. We've been talking about hope and peace and joy and love, and it has been uh, wonderful. It's been a little challenging. We get to learn how the coming Christ presents the, all of these opportunities for us and and ways of changing us forever and ever. Um, Now, along with that, what comes with that, we also learn that there are themes which stand in direct contradiction to those beautiful traditional Advent themes, the the kind of things that, that Jesus comes in answer to, like despair and chaos and meaninglessness and hate. Um, There is a sickness in our world, these dark realities, and there is only one cure, and that is Christ himself, Christ alone. So today, we're going to be bringing all of that together into one place, to the manger, and we're going to be articulating one last time what it is we're up against and what it is that Christ offers to us. Now, before I say any more Uh, I'm going to allow God's word, we're going to just let God's word wash over us and bless us and and, and usher us into this moment, the moment of Christ's birth, of the world changing forever. Now, I did want uh, in in this to include a passage from Matthew 1 because uh, what we'll be talking about uh, in Luke uh, is also referenced in Matthew 1, but we're going to be in Luke all the way up until Easter, and I didn't want to, like, confuse anything, so I'm sticking to the plan. We've got, it, we've, we've got things planned out. Uh, what Trent said, it's going to be Luke, so I'm going to do what I'm told, and we're going to stick, stick with what's, what's right. Um, I might reference it a little bit. So. When do you do what you're told? <laughs> Today, for the first time, I'm going to do what I'm told, <laughs> and we're going to stick with Luke's uh, chapters 1 and 2. Um, and now you're going if you don't expect this, just a heads up, uh, I told the tech team on purpose not to put the words up on the screen today, because if there is ever a time when we just, when I like to have God's word just simply, uh, echoing in my ear, sometimes I get distracted when I'm reading words and I notice like when the, when the pastor's reading along and they say something just a little bit different than what the words are, I'm like, wait a minute, did he mess that up? And then I'm not sticking with the story, right? So you can read along in your Bibles if you want, but I encourage you to just sit back. You can close your eyes a little bit, and you can just kind of let God's Word wash over you. Let the story of Christ's birth uh, be the thing that, that, that resonates in your heart, in your head today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and 2, and I'm going to start here at verse 26. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. 
The virgin's name was Mary. And then the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, well, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Well, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was uh, governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, Let's go to Bethlehem. 
Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh. All right, so I mentioned that there was something in Matthew as well. Um, and that was in the story of when the angel talks to Joseph and says, I'm going to, I'm going to, you shouldn't leave Mary. Uh, You should stick with her because she's the son she's going to have is going to be the Messiah and you've got to raise him. Okay. So that's the other thing that happens. So in that moment, when the angel talks to Joseph in the moment where Mary uh, is talked to by an angel, in the moment that an angel speaks to the shepherds, something happens over and over again. And in this story of the narrative of the coming of Jesus into the world, something that happens three times in one uh, uh, event happening. And when the Bible says things multiple times, we need to pay attention. You remember what it was? You know what it was? And what did the angel say? The angel said, Do not fear. Do not be afraid. As the culmination of Advent and to usher in Christmas, here it is, Christmas Day, in addition to despair and chaos and meaninglessness and hate, I want to talk today about fear. And and a specific kind of fear. Um, I want to talk particularly about the fear of loss or change or or what it takes when something in our lives shifts and now we have to go along with it because we want to honor God and we want to do what's right. We want to be a people that, that, that walk the way that he asks us to walk. One of the most significant fears in this world because it's something that every single one of us encounters at one time or another, the fear of losing someone or something That it's going to cost us amazingly huge amounts to follow what God wants, to go where God wants us to go, to do what God wants us to do. That the fear of of struggle or, or, or pain or trial, because no one likes to struggle. And trials are not something we look for. And the less said about pain, the better. These are realities. And we see this happening in this moment of the story of Jesus coming into the world. We hear three different accounts of people being afraid. An angel comes and greets Joseph and says, hey, I've got something from God for you. I've got a plan. He's got something for your life and you've got to head in this direction. I know you intended to do one thing and now we need you to do something else. And he's afraid. And the angel says, do not be afraid. It should not surprise us that Joseph is afraid. And yes, being in the presence of an angel, I'm sure, is really intimidating. But you can't convince me for one minute that's the only reason that he's afraid in this moment. Think about everything that's going to change for this man. I mean, he's, he's got to, to stay engaged to a pregnant lady, a young lady, and 
that is going to that that could possibly mess with things like as a functioning part of society people are going to People are going to talk. Are you going to be able to, to, to be a viable member of, of, the, of the folks that you're trying to live around? And, and not to mention, can you imagine how intimidating it is to be sold that you're going to be like the adopted dad of the Messiah? How do you raise that kid up? Do you teach him a trade? Are there Messiah trade schools? Uh, what do you do? So a little intimidating, you know. I mean, it's, it's scary enough just being a dad of your own kids. You know, like, I know I'm going to screw them up somehow. But, and what's he worried about? So, of course, he's afraid. It should not surprise us that he's afraid. And then there's Mary, and, and here she is, and, and, and this angel comes. And, yes, I'm sure that it's very intimidating being in the presence of an angel. But this angel comes and says, you are highly favored. God has a plan for you. Now, if you're a believer and you hear from the Lord that God has a plan for you and you're highly favored, you're going to kind of get a little anxious because that means something's coming. And when something coming, something's coming, something changes. And when something changes, it means everything's going to be different. So, of course, there's going to be fear. Not to mention, she's got to be a young, unwed mother. You know the neighbors are going to talk. She went off to live with her cousin for a while. It shouldn't surprise us when God says something's going to change, something's going to happen, that people are afraid. When the shepherds are suddenly confronted with an angel and the glory of the Lord shone around them, well, you know what, that would be enough. That would be enough. You're in the dark, the stars are out, and suddenly the whole sky lights up as if it's daytime, and there's a company of the heavenly host, and they're talking about glory to God. Yeah, that's intimidating. No wonder they were afraid. But then they get to hear it, right? They get to hear, do not be afraid. This amazing thing that's going to happen is actually good news. It should not surprise us that fear is a part of the story when God speaks. Because when God moves, when, when God's will will be done... We know it's going to change our lives. It's going to ask something of us. And, and in that moment, when we're faced with whatever is going to change, we have to fight to believe that it's, that's going to be for the best. I'm going to trust the Lord in this. But we are acutely aware uh, that it's going to cost something. It always costs something. Sometimes it costs pride. Sometimes it costs uh, these things that we valued so much. Sometimes it costs our will. Sometimes, sometimes the thing that changes costs us someone who is beloved to us. And in the moment where we're counting the cost, fear rises up. We're afraid of discomfort or we're afraid of change or we're afraid of loss or we're afraid of, of being rejected as we put ourselves out there and people look at us really funny we're afraid of the unknown. And this temptation rises up. Fear, it, it tempts us to, instead of walking boldly in this new direction that God has called us, we, we want to kind of hold up a little bit. We want to turn our attention in. We want to kind of uh, uh, hide from things. And, and, and uh, I, call it, I, I call it turtling. We turtle in, right? Emotionally, spiritually. And we, we just kind of, maybe if we're, 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 we put ourselves in a safe place where this big thing that's happening, maybe it'll brush up against us and we'll get all the benefits of, uh, of God coming by, but we don't have to actually go through the really hard stuff. 
And we choose something small and little instead, timid uh, in our life because of our fear. And, And because of our fear, then, we relinquish this kingdom of God boldness and power and greatness that is offered to us because it is scary. It is scary what it might cost us to live out loud like Jesus did. I mean, look what it cost him. What did it cost him? I I used to think that it was Easter alone where Jesus became that man of sorrows because of the the brokenness and the fallenness and, and the sin of the world. I mean, think about it. He was, he was beaten and spit on, and there were nails that pierced his hands and feet, and he hung on a cross, the, the worst, ugliest death. The Bible condemns it as a hanging on a tree is this, the, the nastiest thing that could ever happen, and Jesus endured that. He was permitted to experience death, which boggles my mind. God. The everlasting one, the eternal one, experienced death. But I think I might have been wrong. And the older that I get, the more Christmases that I live through, I've really started to think that the nativity was more harsh. Jesus is God. And he, on purpose, put on creation. Just imagine something, someone infinite. The one who holds up the foundations of all creation. The word of God. The, one, the, 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 thing, the, the thing that spoke. The word that spoke. And everything went, hello, we're here. The one who sustains all of us, who, who, just, him. Donning flesh, becoming human, becoming limited in space and time and actively pursuing pain and loss. I think there might have even been fear. You remember back in the garden right before his crucifixion when he's pleading with his father, take this cup away. Fully human, yet without sin. He confronted and embraced the fullness of the cost of reconciliation. He was present on this earth in the flesh. And this is a huge price tag because it's a price tag he wasn't supposed to have to pay. We're the ones that created the distance. We're the ones that broke it all down. This is our price tag. And it... This, this, this thing that he did for us at Christmas, this thing that we celebrate, as Pastor Trent always says, it's, it's awful. And it's awful, full of awe, all at the same time. He chose this amazing thing, which means that Jesus didn't come 
to take away the reality of loss or, or, or take away or help us to avoid pain or hardship. He didn't come to do that. If, I mean, if he was all about saving us from pain and hardship, it wouldn't have made sense for him to come and experience pain and hardship. The awfulness, the awfulness of God in flesh. And we know he did it. The Bible testifies that he did it. In fact, it unpacks it for us so we really get what he did. There's this beautiful passage from from Philippians uh, chapter 2. It says this. uh, Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. That, this humility of God, That is what makes Christmas so powerful. It's not not just sentimental. It's not just a a quaint ceremonial, wistful holiday full of baked goods and and, and cookies and, and, and Buckeyes and Buckeyes. And that weird Netflix channel that looks like a fireplace, which I started watching last night, the Birchwood edition. And I got captive. I, I suddenly found out that I'd wasted like 20 minutes. Whoa. Christmas is God wading into, not waiting, wading, W-A-D-I-N-G, like what you do into water, wading into a crazy, dangerous, hot mess. Christmas is a declaration of war on fear and death. He took on the limits of humanity. He took on the brokenness of flesh. He pressed against fear and death because, folks, that's what it takes to be fully alive, to truly live. He did it first to show us what we're capable of, to show us what it means to actually be human. He did it first to hand to us the keys of a life that looks entirely different than our lives have ever looked before. Which is why when change comes, when loss comes, when pain comes, when we give into our fears of that, we try and hide from it and, and, and try and make it less in our lives because it just hurts too much, it kills us. It robs from us everything that we're capable of and all the amazing things we've been hearing about all Advent long. Hope and peace and joy and love. And we don't have to choose that. Jesus tells us we don't have to choose that. Joseph and Mary and the shepherds prove to us that normal people don't have to choose that. Is it okay that we're normal people and Jesus is kind of a little above normal? Is that all right? Okay. Thank you. 
We know that we can do that. We know people can do that because they did that. You know what they did? You know what they chose instead of as they rejected their fear? They rejected, oh no, what's this going to cost? What's this going to take? How is this going to change my life? You know what they chose? Joseph and Mary and the shepherds, they chose faith. Faith is, regardless of circumstance or feeling, faith is to follow the example and teachings of Jesus Christ. Instead of what we're afraid of. In the face of pain. In the face of struggle. And to tell our fears that they don't get to make our decisions for us. Faith is walking with an incarnational God. Incarnation means being present with. In the flesh with. We get to walk with a God who walks with us. And then we get to turn around. And we get to be an incarnational presence with other people all around us. We get to have the same mindset as Christ, which is also something that's said in that Philippians 2 passage. In fact, I want to just advocate for you. If you ever want to just grow as a believer, if you ever want to have your world rocked and your, and your worldview changed, spend a month daily reading Philippians 2, 1 through 8, and just sit in it and dwell in it and let it change you. It will change your life. Faith is something that we can have today as we come together for Christmas. Not just celebrating the tenderness of a baby born and laid in a manger, but recognizing the intentionality of a God who used this moment to confront fallenness and take on the cost without turning away. He didn't wait until Easter to press into the confrontation of darkness with light, and neither do we. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives right here. Lives right there, right in you, right here. Just put your hand right there. Same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives right there. Don't let it get covered or hidden because of fear or trepidation or intimidation or the desire not to make any waves. Don't let fear of what it will cost stop you from being all that you've been created to be. Now I'm going to let God's word be the final word on this. This is from Romans. For those of you who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by that Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children now. If we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might share in his glory. Praise be to God.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your goodness knows no bounds. And you've made us in your image, which means that we have you, and that means we have everything that we need to stand up and to be bold in this world, no matter what comes. Your spirit lives in us. We are temples of the Most High. And so when life brings circumstances that cause us trepidation, when fear whispers in our souls how we can compromise or, or do things that can reduce it, make it go away, and, and it means a compromise on, on who we are in you, um, but that's okay you give us the strength to say no. You give us the strength to stand up and to look fear right in the eye and say, no, my God is stronger than you. And that means that I'm stronger than you. Thank you for putting on flesh and making your dwelling among us and teaching us how to be brave. All for your glory and all for the glory of that tiny baby named Jesus. We pray. Amen.